Welcome to Moms Going Boldly, a Star Trek podcast. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Moms Going Boldly is two moms who love Star Trek and who happen to have children on the autism spectrum. Join me, Elizabeth, and my co-host Vicki as each week we talk about Star Trek episodes, both new and old. Are you ready for the adventure? Come join us on Moms Going Boldly. Hi, editing Vicki here. We'd like to apologize ahead of time for the audio in this episode. We stopped and started a few times trying to figure out where all the crackling was coming from and unfortunately we didn't figure it out until the end of the episode. So we do know what the problem was and it will be corrected next week. Thank you. And welcome back to Moms Going Boldly where today we're going to talk about Strange New Worlds Season 1 Episode 4 Memento Mori. What did you think of this one Vicki? And again I liked this one. They are four for four. Yeah. This one I don't think was quite as strong as the first three, but again, the things that I look at and go, hmm, I'm not so sure about that are so minuscule. It's not even important. Right. I agree. So when I first saw the title of this episode, I knew that memento mori means to remember death or to remember that everything dies or remember that death is coming. I mean, it has multiple translations. And at the time, I thought that it was going to be about the captain again because of this challenge that he's got going on in his life, knowing that his life as it is right now is going to come to an end in 10 years. But as it turns out, this was really a story about Lon. So let's go ahead and jump right in. So we start this episode off with a log entry from Lon talking about their current mission, which is to deliver an atmospheric processor to a colony that needs this processor otherwise they're going to run out of fresh air. And it's also Starfleet Remembrance Day. I don't recall ever encountering this before. Had Have you? No, not at all. But I like it. Yeah. It's essentially like Memorial Day for Starfleet. Right, which is, I guess, the reason why they did that. Perhaps, yes. Yeah. So people who have served on ships where they have lost crew members or crewmates wear pins commemorating the ship that was lost. And when we open up, we see Law looking at a pin for the SS Puget Sound, which they don't tell us right away, but we found out, find out later that that's the colony ship that she grew up, grew up on that was attacked by the Gorn. Right. And she refuses to wear this pin. So we start this episode where she's already, you know, still sort of standing apart from everyone else in her loss by not wearing the pins, though there are lots of other people on her ship that are wearing these pins to commemorate people. We also get to see at the very beginning here a scene where with Engineer Hemmer and Cadet Uhura, where she is apparently going to engineering with him to learn about engineering things from him as part of her cadet training. And I actually really like this because it means through Uhura's eyes, we get to explore the ship and meet more of the people. Yeah, and I also like when they pair up people that we don't expect to be paired up. Yes. Yeah. So um, this was kind of fun. You know, Hammer's giving her a hard time, and she's giving as good as she gets. And she's showing him that she's prepared, and she's smart, and she can handle this. And it's, it's fun. You, the interactions with them look like they're going to be fun. So we get to the colony, which is apparently near a brown dwarf 
gas giant planet and a black hole and they don't have any communications with the colony and they are not sure why and they think it might be the planet and so they decide to go down to the colony and una goes the first officer and lawn the secure the security officer and when they arrive they can't find anything and they're thinking mass evacuation and then they discover a whole lot of blood yeah and a dog that was left locked in a building, which they never referred to again. No. I they didn't leave the dog behind to starve to death. Right. I think they probably did. Well, let's pretend like they didn't. No. Because <laughs> <laughs> I hate to think that, I mean, I realize it, the, the episode got pretty intense pretty fast. Yeah. And there was a lot of horror elements to it. You know, the creeping around dark, the dog barking jump scare. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the blood. dragged tracks of yeah. blood where blood. bodies had clearly been dragged. Right. The blood trails. Yeah. 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 So they're still very confused. And they get back to the ship and they're looking for another ship and they're looking for other signs. And they are all of a sudden greeted by a some kind of a, a transport ship that yeah. they learn has refugees from this colony. And these people are all injured and they're scared and whatever happened was horrible. And you can't beam them over because their ship is got a reinforced hull because they usually carry radioactive materials. So they have to connect with the ship physically by extending some kind of boarding tube they essentially connected to the ship's airlock and they're bringing people on board the ship and this little girl she's very terrified and she's running through the corridors complaining that the monsters are coming and lon asks her what the monsters are like and she says that the monsters make a clicking sound yeah which Lon very obviously recognizes and tells the ship to scan for a em signatures and then shouts for the shields to be raised but they can't because they've got this tube still attached to the ship and we, by this time we're wrecking we're realizing that Lon's so afraid it's probably the gorn yes and it's the gorn yeah <laughs> which i think is really a great thing because they're bringing back a villain from the original series that we only got to see once didn't we see them in uh, the mirror universe enterprise Oh, did we see was it mirror? Was it mirror universe? I know we saw him. You know what? I think you're right. I think they were in the mirror universe. Was it mirror they were, universe? They were slaves of the empire. I don't remember. Was it Terran I re- empire. I don't remember. I remember seeing Gorn, and I'm guessing it's the mirror universe. I don't even know that for sure, but I'm. I, I think you're right. Okay. I think you're right. That is ringing a lot of bells. And I don't recall if we ever got to see a Gorn ship in the episode Arena, which is the original series episode where. Kirk fights the Gorn right. at Vasquez Rocks, which is off of Highway 14 in Southern California. If I ever forget to visit, you can totally see it from the road. <laughs> and he uses the bamboo to make a cannon, which is very famous. Everybody knows that episode. Anyway, but I'm not sure we ever see the ship. I don't think so. I was going to ask you that because the spinning thing looked familiar to me, but I couldn't. I can't remember that the episode. It reminded me of the ship that Spock flew in... The um, first J.J. Abrams movie. Yeah, I did think of that first. I kind of skip over that Gorn episode when I do do a (laughs) rewatch. So I couldn't remember if that was a callback to the ship we saw or if we even saw a ship. 
I don't think we did because, I, and I remember the Gorn episode started out really cool in the original series. You know, they go to a colony. It's very similar to this. They go to a colony. The colony has been completely trashed, and then they're attacked. And then they go back on the ship, and we spend a lot of time just on the bridge chasing an unseen ship. Okay. I'm pretty sure of that. And then the Metrons step in and make everybody stop chasing each other and go back down to the planet and hurl styrofoam rocks at each other. Yeah. (laughs) So, back to this episode, which I am happy to say had zero styrofoam rocks. Yes. So, sure enough, Lon is, like, right on target. She knows exactly what's happening here. And they're attacked by the Gorn ship, and they can't raise shields because of this tube. And so the ship is badly damaged, like, right from the Mm get-go. And the Gorn is just seems to know exactly where to shoot. Yes. Which was interesting. I don't know whether they got really lucky or they had some kind of specs on the ship, but they knew exactly where to shoot. And they damaged the heck out of the ship. Yeah. And Lon is injured because she was, like, standing right outside the tube when they hit the ship. Una is injured because she pulled Lon out of the tube. Several of the um, refugees are killed and several crew members are killed. So Lon goes to the bridge and Una tries to make her way to sickbay. And so Lon is acting first officer again because right. Una is injured. And I really, really enjoyed the character development here because Lon is tense. She's, I mean, she starts off pretty intense as it is. Yeah. And her tension, her intensity just sort of like skyrockets here. Understandably, but I didn't think she could get any more intense. And yet she is. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So she's talking about how they're relentless and they will not break off pursuit. Right. And, you know, she's talking about all these things about them. And she's doing so in a way that's like very doomsday. We are doomed. We are all going to die. Yeah. And so they're trying to come up with ways to figure out how to fight them. And the captain says, okay, I need miracles from you guys. Be creative. And then he pulls her out of after they finish this meeting, pulls her back and says, you, you know, I appreciate that you have an assessment here, but you seem to have emotions involved here, which was kind of interesting because she's always like, I don't have emotions. No, and I don't care what people think. Right. He's sort of like, yeah, you do have emotions and you need to care what people think because you're first officer now. Right. I loved that moment. He was like, it's not just about orders, about carrying out my orders. It's about instilling hope. Right. And I thought that's brilliant because this is a, a facet of her that she has shut down because of her trauma. And now he's saying, if you're going to take down this role, you got to open that up. That was one of my favorite parts of the episode because that was like the polar opposite of how she'd been functioning since that trauma. And as she's having these conversations and she's trying to remember what happened, we keep seeing image of a young man. This young man is almost like a hallucination. It's very clearly a memory, but he manifests as a physical presence. You know, when she's talking to people, he's standing right behind the captain. So it's it's very cool. It's a wonderful way of telling us this is a memory and it's a very powerful memory. And one of the other things I really liked about this episode is this is an episode that's very similar to a couple of other episodes we see where members of the crew are separated from each other this reminded me especially the ahura and hemmer part yes of and i can't tell you what episode it was and i don't even remember the circumstances but of of beverly and jordy the episode is a next generation episode called disaster and the ship hit a quantum filament which as miles o'brien put it momentarily charged the ship (laughs) anyway yes exactly they had to open up a cargo bay to release all of the reactive material that was going to become radioactive because it was being exposed to a plasma fire. Yeah, so you're right. Yeah, it was very similar to that scene. Deep Space Nine has a similar episode called Starship Down, where they get trapped in a gas giant. 
the Dominion, Jem'Hadar, are chasing after a ship and the uh, Defiant tries to protect it and goes into a gas giant and everybody's injured. And so we've got the captain on the bridge and he's critically injured and Kira is actually praying over him, yes. which makes, yes. And then we've got Worf in engineering, trying to get the engineers to do what he needs them to do. And of course, the best scene is Quark and character name Hemic, I think is his name, in the mess hall facing a photon or some kind of torpedo right right that that's a great great series of scenes in there yeah so yeah there's a couple of those i don't think that i ever saw that enterprise ever did one like this i don't remember and i don't think i don't think voyager ever did one quite like this not like this no but well we'll get to it there was another part that reminded me of a voyager episode okay all right looking forward to that well just a little part of a voyager episode so we've got so these people that we've got separated is we've got people stuck in sickbay and sick bays, because of where the Gorn hit the ship, the sick bay is actually, they have no access to any of their resources. And they're having to rely on, you know, 21st century types of things like stitching and <laughs> transfusions. Right. So with the systems being down, I expected the doctor to get a little upset because of his daughter. But they, yes. they, yes. never, they never even mentioned it. Well, I'm kind of wondering if it because the, his daughter is still being supported by the warp core. The warp core, I don't think, ever went okay. offline or had any problems. Okay. And I think, didn't he, when we learned about her in the last episode, didn't he essentially kind of acknowledge that he could lose her because space travel is dangerous? True, but you think he'd still have some still, reaction. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and chalk that up to they didn't lose warp power. He wasn't worried okay. or as worried. I'm going to... Go ahead and fill in that gap. <laughs> like with the dog. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to pause right here for a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, Doug Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Doug here from the 13th Warehouse. If you are a fan of Eureka, please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka at EurekaRewatch.com. If you're a fan of Warehouse 13, please join Kim and Vicky over at the 13th Warehouse at the13thwarehouse.com. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse. And we're back. Anyway, so we have the sickbay people are all together with Una, and then we also have Hammer and Uhura, who are trapped in a cargo bay. So they're not in engineering. They're in a cargo bay, but there's some engineering equipment there. I was a little confused by that part. But other than that, that, that worked. And then, of course, the folks on the bridge. So they are in really bad shape, and they go into the brown dwarf to hide, which is dangerous because they lose all their sensors. They lose all their everything. Plus, the brown dwarf is very dense. And there's that next-door neighbor of a black hole, which is slowly consuming the brown dwarf. At first, we think that everything's going to be okay because they seem to be hiding okay and... They actually found a way to use the navigational sensors to be able to tell if something's moving around them. And they actually spot the ship, right? the Gorn ship. And they're like, okay, we've only got one photon torpedo left. Let's use it like a bomb. And right. so they position themselves above the ship. They drop the photon torpedo. They destroy the Gorn ship. But it was actually a trap because the Gorn were hoping they would do that. And now they're after them. Right. I mean, they were way ahead of them every step of the way. They really were. The Gorn were ahead of them every step of the way. I will say this. When they went into the brown dwarf, I loved 
it's Ortegas, right? Yes. She, she says, fine, we're going to fly into the giant what, a gas cloud of death. She has really good one-liners. She does. And she's always someone who I expect to say, oh, did I say that out loud? After yeah. almost everything she blurts out. But yeah. it's funny that Pike seems to get her. Yeah. You know, he just rolls with his crew's idiotics. Yeah, I guess we yeah. could call him that. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was funny because she's more than once she came out with something and he just looked at her like, is it even worth saying anything? <laughs> it's, like... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty good. And meanwhile, there's something going on. And this is the part where I got a little confused. Hammer and Ahura are trying to stop some kind of overload where they are. Right. Hammer was injured and his hands aren't working anymore. And so he is trying to describe to her what she needs to do so that she can use her hands to do it. I would say that that particular storyline was the weakest of this story. Yeah, because I didn't really care what they were doing. Yeah, it didn't make sense. To me, it didn't make sense. If they were in engineering and it was like, keep the warp core from exploding. Yeah. But that's not what it seemed to be. Yeah, I don't really know what they were doing. Yeah. So it was great interpersonal interaction between Hammer and Uhura. That was a lot of fun to watch. And we got to see Uhura being, you know, a badass again. Yeah. But other than that, that particular storyline, to me, the rest of the storyline was brilliant. And that was, and again, it's a small thing. The whole episode was fantastic. So this, this particular storyline was just not as strong as, as the sub storylines have been in the other episode. Yeah, they had to be in the cargo bay for the rest of it to happen. So I don't yeah. think it matters to anybody what was exploding as long as it didn't explode. Right, exactly. So they have now all these Gorn ships chasing them, and they have only one choice. They have to go deeper into the brown dwarf, which turns this episode into like a stealthy U-boat episode. You know, like, what was the episode, the original series episode, where we first got to see the Romulans? Oh. And Mark Leonard played the Romulan commander. Right, I remember that. Anyway, it's a famous episode because it it draws from, you know, the famous World War II movies, you know, like Run Silent, Run Deep, Mm -hmm. which is a great book, by the way. If you ever want to know about submarine warfare, it's a really good book. Anyway, and I've never seen the movie, but I've read the book and it's a really good book. Anyway, so this becomes essentially... A submarine warfare episode where they eat and she even they even say when he says, you know, take us down. She says, I, I, skipper, dive, 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 which is exactly what they do in submarines. And so now now it's one of these things where they're being hunted and they're hunting in the depths of this brown dwarf. And they even have like the hull creaking as they're going down. Have you seen them hunt for Red October or... Yes, it's been a long time. Crimson Tide. You get that same kind of feeling where everybody's kind of looking around as they're diving so deep and the pressure outside the ship is making all this great noise. It was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. (laughs) And I also love the the sort of the, uh, it's a a tactical decision to go down and to see if your ship will survive. And as it turns out, by the time that Captain Pike decided to stop them from diving, because they were really on the, on the verge of not being able to handle the pressure anymore. His tactic was sound. The Gorn ship that had been following them was unable to handle the pressure, and it imploded. So now they're only down to two ships. So then Lon and Spock decide to take a shuttlecraft, because they need to figure out where they are. And if the, if the Enterprise moves, they'll be found. And if the Enterprise tries to pop up to figure out how close they are to the black hole or anything like that, they'll be found. Right. So they take a shuttlecraft. I'm not sure why the shuttlecraft isn't isn't noticed. She just said it, it was small enough not to be noticed. 
I guess. Maybe it wouldn't make so much of a wake in the gas. I don't know. Anyway, they go to check out the Gorn ships, and the Gorn ships are flashing at each other. And Spock says, I wonder why they're scanning each other, which I thought was kind of a silly moment because clearly they were communicating. I'm not even a member of Starfleet, and I could tell they were communicating. (laughs) (laughs) So Lon says, I think I remember this, but I just can't remember the memory. I think I know what this is, but I can't remember. Can you just do a mind meld real fast? So he's like, okay, I'll do a mind meld. And then we do a mind meld. We get to learn a little bit more about, you know, the horrific experiences she had, which took this young man that we've been seeing these images of. We learn that he was her brother. Right. And he essentially sacrificed himself for her so that she would survive. He sacrificed himself to the Gorn, which is, you know, deeply traumatic for her. Yes. But her emotional response to losing her brother, to having her brother sacrifice himself for her, brought up Spock's emotional response to having Michael Burnham sacrifice herself for him right and so lon learns about michael burnham even though she's like that's not in starfleet records at which point i'm thinking what are you doing reading his starfleet records <laughs> but maybe she needed to do that as the security officer oh that's true yes yeah <laughs> but i was thinking i'd be like dude why are you reading my private files <laughs> So anyway, she does learn enough. Somehow her brother had like taken notes on the flashing and figured out what the code was. So she's able to remember that code from the mind mill, and they flash a communication saying humans had taken over the other ship. And so the big mother ship then blows away the other ship, which was interesting. Apparently, they're just willing to sacrifice anything and anybody. Well, I guess for me, I just like, why couldn't they see what direction the, the light was coming from? You know, that was one thing that I thought. But the other part of it, that I really did appreciate was it was again this is this happened twice in this episode where things that Lon had said you know they're vicious they're brutal they're unrelenting they're merciless they will continue to hunt their prey they turned around and turned those into weaknesses for the Gorn so the unrelenting hunt for their prey that's what Pike was counting on when he dropped down into the pressure until that ship imploded right he used their unrelenting hunt for prey as a weakness against them and then this flashing of the light thing you know she had talked about how they call the weak and you know eliminate anything that could make them you know promote the strength and eliminate the weak she knew that that if they were taken over by the human prey then that made them weak and so that's why they were destroyed right so i really liked that i liked how that was you know this tactical thinking of flipping things on their ear and coming at them in a different way. So then they finally decide they're going to have to leave this brown dwarf. And the, it's dissolving so quickly because of the black hole, etc. So they have to get out. And they figure out that they're going to use the black hole to help them. They're going to slingshot around the gravitational pull of the black hole. But also because of redshift. They were going to use the redshift from the gravitational pull of the black hole to make it look like they blew up. So they need to send the air compressor thing out to blow up. Right. And I guess this is what they were trying to stop from exploding. That's how I took it. Anyway, so they have to to strap themselves down because they're going to vent the air in this cargo bay. And so they strap themselves in. And then as they're venting the air, the strapping mechanism starts to loosen up. Now, you would think that it was designed for that. (laughs) Exactly. So I'm going to go ahead and chalk this up to... Extra gravitational pull from the black hole. Oh, maybe. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, I'm like, eh, I don't know. 
know. Wouldn't this be designed to have, you know, the evacuation of air? Right, because Jordanian... that's what you're dealing with when you when you open up a cargo bay. It's not like space is pulling. It's that the air is pushing. Right. Anyway, so the device blows up. It makes it look like the ship explodes. And the Gorn go on their way thinking they've lost their prey. That's pretty much it. Except for the whole surgery on Una thing in sick bay where they have to actually sew her up with stitches right and apparently her genetic advancements aren't healing it yeah and so they have to actually sew her up with a needle and thread and give her a transfusion and and what does chapel say she said something really funny something about it's like giving birth through your mouth (laughs) it was like a sepsis yes infection yes <laughs> and when it's like who says that and chapel says me <laughs> i say that <laughs> anyway so that's about it that's i think the end of the story so what was uh, what gave you a, a sense of voyager what reminded you of oh voyager? it was just one scene in voyager and it was when i think they were in the jeffrey's tubes i don't even remember what happened but they had to close the jeffrey's tube yes while one of the crew members was running towards it yes and they couldn't wait and yes. the scene with, what's his name, Kyle? Yeah. And his friend there reminded me of that. But it was just a, a little scene. I don't remember what was going on in Voyager at the time. Uh, that was The Year of Hell, part one. And they were losing, I think, Deck 15. No, not Deck 15. Deck, deck 10. And the doctor, it was the doctor. Right. Yeah. And so he, he had evacuated everybody from sick bay. But they were lo- losing containment or losing, they were going to, everything was going to blow. I think it was plasma. I think it was plasma, plasma conduits were going to blow. And these people were running towards the Jeffrey's tube door, but they couldn't quite make it. And he had to close the door essentially on them. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was just that little scene. That's what it reminded yeah. me. Nope. That was a, it's a good memory. So I should say at the end of this episode, uh, we see that Lon has processed some of her grief and she's actually now wearing her SS Puget Sound right. pin. And she so also we, we see that she's grown. Yeah, and she also warns that this is not the last time we're going to see the Gorn because they haven't come this far. Yeah, they're scouting new hunting grounds or whatever she said. Which is great because again, it's a they're good they're good enemy. Yeah, I figured we would see them because of her story eventually, yeah. but I just hope. I mean, there, it's got to be a better version, obviously, than. <laughs> The original, yeah, and even Enterprise, they weren't that great looking. I mean, it was definitely an upgrade from original series, but they still looked cartoony. Yes, yes, and the original series just looked latexy. Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping we'll get a better version of them. I'm sure we will. We have to. Yeah, Yeah, they can't. Yeah. So on a scale of one to ten, what would you give this one? I'm gonna give this an eight and a half. I'm gonna give it an eight. So still really strong. Yeah, absolutely. Strong storytelling. Absolutely. Very enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. This has been such a pleasure to watch. Yes, so far, yeah. Okay. Um, anything else that we need to talk about, about the episode Memento Mori? No, I think I think we got everything. Like, okay. Well, I am looking online, and I am not seeing a title yet released for next week's episode. Oh, really? Can you find one? I thought I saw... Hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. Because I went to see how many episodes there were this season. Ten. Um, Yeah. And they also already have three listed for next season. I thought there were names. Maybe there just, maybe there weren't.
Yeah, it says Spock Amok. Now, the next ones aren't listed. They're just listed by number. I'm on IMDb. Oh, I see it on IMDb, too. Okay, terrific. So, yeah. we invite our listeners to join us next time as we watch Strange New World Season 1, Episode 5, Spock Amok. We'll see you then. See you then. Bye. You can continue exploring the universe with Moms Going Boldly by following us on Facebook at facebook.com slash momsgoingboldly and on Twitter at momsgoingboldly. The music used on Moms Going Boldly is Without Limits by Ross Bugden Music. On Twitter at Ross Bugden, licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license, creativecommons.org. You can listen to Moms Going Boldly on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. And we're now also available on Apple Podcasts. Transfer complete.